fatherhood. It's how we keep our tribes and families strong. You've landed in the right place if you're ready for dad jokes, tips, and tricks on fun parenting. Also with interviews with some of the coolest dad entrepreneurs we could track down and have them share their strategies to tackling it all in business and life on The Dad Next Door. And now, your host, Mr. Dad Jokes himself, <laughs> Jason Centeno. What's your story? How'd you start off as an entrepreneur? It was a long journey for me. Created the six-year college plan, gave my parents a lot of hard times, you know, getting into a situation where I really just, you know, I couldn't really afford the twins that I had in 1992. And I was like, you know, I, I have to create something. I had a job. I was working in construction and, you know, it was paying decent, but, you know, I just didn't see where the future was. And I really started to think, wow, can I go out on my own? And it started just thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I can do it, you know, because I always came from, you know, blue collar thinking where, you know, you woke up, my parents woke up each day. My dad worked for public service, electric and gas. You know, he worked there 42 years, great career. And my mom was a bank teller. You know, and that's what I saw every day. So I didn't even really know what entrepreneurship was at the time, you know. Like, did you go into the job sector first and then decide that you wanted to become, you know, a real estate investor or to kind of pick, do start side hustles when you were young? Because it's either in your blood. Like, my father wasn't one. He was just creative. But me, I can always, re I can remember that. Like, when I was young, young, you used to be able to go and do like these get rich quick schemes, I guess. But like, you could go self-publish. It would teach you how to self-publish. Or you would like learn, you would just go order some books and be like, it would be like manuals on how to do this, that, or the other thing. And the only difference between now and then was it's all video and courses online and PDFs. But back then you used to get a fat mail, you know, big mailer and stuff like that. And I remember like, I would always buy these things and I would never really do much with them, but I would pile them somewhere for future thought that it, it got my mind racing. And I was like, uh, how can I make money? Cause you know, I, I grew up poor. I wouldn't say poor, but just, you know, not rich. And I was always looking like, how do, how do people make money? Because where I grew up, I saw how they made money and it was dangerous and not cool, especially because my dad was a pastor. So I was like, I ain't doing mm. that. I always had a little bit of that in me. And then over the years, I just, I guess, started figuring stuff out. Flip toys here and there, a bunch of different stuff until I actually finally learned real estate after a whole bunch of like bills that came in from doing an independent movie. But you said you had to raise twins. That in and of itself, I imagine, is a handful. What during that time, kind of like what became the first thing that you kind of. Yeah. So you covered a lot there. And I had kind of deja vu because back in the day I was buying the Carlton Sheets package. And, you know, thinking back, like, you know, I did have that in my system. But what was in front of my face, because, you know, I always had like a paper route, you know, so I'd wake up early in the morning, hustle the papers. I became a magician as a young kid at 12 years old. I was doing birthday parties. But I saw the work, you know, my father going to work and my uncle who worked on Wall Street made a lot of money. I was like, well, maybe I'll get one of those jobs on Wall Street. You know, and I guess, you know, I didn't really delineate, you know, going to work and you could earn money on entrepreneurship. And as, as I started to think, as you were talking, one of the jobs I had was waking up at five, like five o'clock in the morning getting picked up by a friend of the family who had a food truck and that was entrepreneurship. And I swear, I used to sleep on the way to the industrial park and then wake up and, you know, sell things out of the hot food truck and put the steak sandwiches together. And that's when I really thought like, wow, this guy's working on his own, you know, maybe I could do something on my own one day. So I always had it in my system, but, you know, I kept getting forced into that plan, go to school, get a job, 
until one day I woke up and said, wow, I have all this education and it really didn't show me how to make money. And that's when I was like, wow, now I know what entrepreneurship is, you know, but you know, that, that was kind of my thought process, you know, and what was your education, your formal education in wanting to be an engineer, but I couldn't get into engineering school. I, I liked playing football. So I went to a division three, you know, college, I played some college football and I took calculus two, three times before I met my wife, who I'm still with today. She taught me how to study. And uh, I eventually, after six years, received a civil engineering degree. And, you know, by that time, I then had to pass a test, which I failed five times. I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. And by the time I finally passed, I was making more money in construction. So I really never decided to go into engineering. It was a very short time. You know, I learned how to do some site, you know, site design, which gave me that that seed planted for real estate development and real estate investing. And, you know, it was just kind of little seeds along the way and some subconscious things that were planted as a young man. But what was always in front of me was, Hey, wake up, go to work, work hard. You know, that's what we were taught, you know, you know, in our families, you know, they gave you a lot of love and, you know, you know, I think we probably grew up similar from sharing some of the stories, you know, you, you know, you were a hard worker, went out and fought fires, you know, I mean, that's how, that's what it was all about, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, that, and then the other side, like I said, I, when I wasn't doing that and, you know, anybody who knows about firefighters knows like we, we have crazy schedules, but like you have these big gaps of time. And I just was never one to go work the ambulance. I thought working overtime, if I could avoid it, I would. And I would just go study and just kind of like making my own way versus like, okay, yeah, overtime's great, but I'm not getting anywhere close to where I want to be. And, you know, this, this isn't as fulfilling as like making your own way, making something unique to yourself. So how did you get your first gig? Cause you're in, you know, you were in New York, right? That's kind of like where you made your bones. Was it construction in New York or New Jersey? Cause I know New York is crazy hard. You know, I kind of learned real estate, like I guess an end around where, you know, learning civil engineering, you know, one of the specialties that I started in was soils and then soils led to me kind of being outside and realizing, well, I was part of like a development. And then my senior year, I won this design development award. And then I worked as an engineer for a short time. So I got a little taste of real estate, but I didn't really put the pieces together. You know, and then I went into construction and I worked myself up as a superintendent, field superintendent to assistant PM to PM, the project executive, and <laughs> was billing it for the other real estate developers. And really just never thought about residual income until I, you know, I started you know, buying programs like Carlton Sheets and uh, Robert Allen, No Money Down, but it was more about residential, you know, and I, I just didn't really connect the dots like, you know, skyscrapers in New York City to like buying real estate in New Jersey. Like, you know, I just was overwhelmed with trying to do my job every day, let alone to think about real estate until, you know, it came down to like, how am I going to pay the bills? You know, my paycheck's not covering it anymore. You know, then you start to not sleep at night. So you're thinking more, you know? So did anybody mentor you along the way? Because as a civil engineer, I imagine like, you're rubbing shoulders with a lot of these guys, you know, they, they got to come to you for certain things. How did you make that? I mean, you, you took, you have the books, right? And it's like, but there's this leap. It's like, well, who do I know? Yeah. Did, did anybody like stand out and say, Hey, you know, yeah come on, I'll show you some stuff and kind of take you under their wing, get you, you know, get you started. Yeah. I mean, Dolph DeRusse was one, you know, he became really? a friend, you know, you yeah. met him, you met him early, like in New yeah, York. Yeah. Like 
probably 20 years ago on stage you know he was talking I, I bought all his programs it was probably 25 years it was so long ago yeah we um you know i always was fascinated because he was the one guy talking about commercial but then i had a lot of people in new york city like i worked very closely with bruce ratner who owned the new jersey nets um who had a guy his name was john norris rest his soul he built canary wharf in london one of the largest projects in the world he built battery park in new york and then he was hired by forest city ratner to build metro tech which was a billion dollar project that i was on and i was just so fortunate i would I'd go meet this guy like five o'clock in the morning and you know suck everything out of his brain and you know just at the table like you said with monsters and just watching and observing it was you know i did the e911 headquarters giuliani would come to the meetings a lot of observations that you know not a lot of talking at that time and as i i, I grew into the ranks you know, work myself up and you know got to you know mess around with a couple uh big time players so you know it paid off but in reality it all comes down to you know why we're here today you know being a super dad and you know you know all of those you know great career moves that you know and it was great i loved every day of, but there was times where i was like away from my children i had the twins my wife was you know you know she was working at times we had a nanny you know, and, you know, we didn't, you know, know sometimes we didn't see light, you know, it was just work, work, work. You know, me, I would go to school at night, wake up at five o'clock, work, you know, go to school at night, come home at midnight. I did that for 20 years, five till midnight. You've built a lot of buildings. Which one would you say, looking at the New York skyline and what you've, you know, been a part of in there, there is place in your heart. I don't want to say that you're the most proud of it, but like the one that like the means the most to you out of all mm -hmm. You know all those buildings. If you you know you're looking at the skyline and you're like that 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 one gives me good memories, good vibes. Like yeah. that one was the one. Wh which one would that be? Yeah, there, there's two. You know, one is one New York Plaza. When you're looking, you know, when you used to look at the World Trade Center, it's a 50 story building that I was able to do 30 stories of a conversion of high tech data centers for Prudential, and it really opened up my eyes to like major, major construction on you know interior renovations in New York City. And another one was one that I was fortunate to develop my first one as a partner, which was 240 Park Avenue, where when I finished Tom Brady and Giselle came and looked at the penthouse. And that was a real proud day. It was 53 luxury condominiums on Park Avenue in New York City. Does entrepreneurship run in your family? either could have been maybe grandparents. Cause I would say my grandfather was probably one and my uncle and then, or, or like do any of your three children, is that kind of anybody want to follow your footsteps? Like, is there, is there any family tree of entrepreneurs going on or were you just like the oddball? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because you know, my, my father's side that grew up in the United States was, you know, the hardworking blue collar and my my mom's side who came from Italy, now that I'm thinking about it, they were entrepreneurs. I mean, my grandfather had his own carpentry business and my mom, my grandmother was the one that bought a couple of brownstones in, in Brooklyn. And I don't know how she made her money. I know she would sew the ends of every little rag and probably save it every little dollar. But that was entrepreneurship that I was seeing every Sunday and maybe a little bit in dismay of, you know, uh, you know, my uncle who worked on wall street and my dad and you know, just a lot going on at that table, plus some really good Italian food. You know, we weren't there necessarily thinking about careers at the time, but you know, it was, it was just interesting dynamic growing up, you know, how about the kids, any of them uh, kind of doing real estate or something fun like that? Yeah. You know, my daughter, you know, she lost her job in corporate America 
you know, because of COVID and dove right in and started a photography business that she did for a year. And she just, you know, connected with a new job, but she jumped in and showed some entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my son's in military, my other daughter's married to a doctor and is, you know, in, in culinary and dietetics. But, you know, I think one day that, uh, that, that they'll be doing stuff, you know, just cause you know, they're, they're, they've been seeing it for so long and, you know, they wanted to go out there and, you know, you know, get their own, you know, achievements and i'm sure they'll they'll go in that direction and my son may not but you know he he really just wants to serve our country next is probably the fbi or something like that so he's uh he's now doing reconnaissance and i love him to death he, he gets what he wants you know what city in america should not be included on a map and why oh <laughs> i you know i'd have to say camden new jersey just because it's like one of the highest crime rates in the world and you know, overall, that's not good. <laughs> it's coming up, though. <laughs> Say that for a while. I mean, it, I mean, it, it kind of is, though, but it's it's been slow. What compliment do people give you the most? I bet I'm an overgiver. A go-giver? Always just, you know, giving, you know, giving, you know, money that I have, you know, time. Just, you know, over, over sometimes giving, you know, over undervaluing myself, over giving time. But I try to you know, give what I can to bring people to their greatness. Cause that's my, that's my objective. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. All right. So what word would you add to the dictionary if you could, and what would it mean? You know, I guess what I'm thinking is I would, I would create a word called, um, Sigam. It's uh magic spelled backwards and it would mean, um, magical blessings in your life. Could be an acronym too if you want to make it one. <laughs> I was stuck. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, you came through though, so not a problem. Some people just don't, you know. What product would you refuse to promote? You know, like McDonald's hamburgers. You know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I turned into a, a little bit of a health fanatic, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't promote fast foods. What's your favorite pet's name? I, and I say think about it just because I don't want you to give away like one of your, um, what do they call it? The the bank security questions. So don't give us that one. <laughs> if you had no. a favorite pet, what was his name? Could it be a pet that I had that was a favorite name or? or... Yeah, yeah, anything. No, I just no, you to my, give my pet, my favorite name for a pet was uh, Midas. Right. And Midas, it, it was a boxer that I had. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, came from like, you know, believe it or not, the Midas, he had a golden touch about him, you know, <laughs> that was it, even though he was a boxer. You had a, you had a lucky dog, huh? What's your best dad life look like? You, your kids, your family, like what would be an ideal day with you and them? Pretty much what's been going on, you know, lately, you know, in, in the last year or two where, you know, they've, my, my kids, I have 28 year old twins, I have a 20 boy and girl twins, a 23 year old daughter. And the day that I really enjoy is where they come to the house. They all visit. You know, we we have dinner the night before. We play games at night. And then they wake up and we we do a breakfast. But we're all kind of working out, you know, sharing, you know, taking showers together, just hanging out and, and having the day just hanging out together and just relaxing. But, you know, that's what I just love being with the kids. It's a little bit of an Italian tradition, you know, when I was growing up, just hanging out with the family and. And that's what I just love doing. Sometimes we go hiking or to the beach and just do things, have fun. You have grandkids yet or no? No, not yet. Not yet. Just my one daughter got married during COVID and we're actually having the big ceremony in September and real excited. 
I'll lend you one of mine. You can pretend. I got six. You can, <laughs> you can hold one. <laughs> what would you say your dad's superpower was? Like, what you know, the thing that like you just felt like nobody could beat you at being a dad with your kids? Yeah, you know, I used to have magic moments with each of my kids that, you know, we would do all the time. And I based it on, you know, what magic moment can I create with them that they'll always remember? So, you know, my daughter, we used to have date nights all the time and we would go to different restaurants and we would meet the chef and she ended up getting into culinary and becoming a dietitian and nutritionist and studied culinary medicine. And that was, I believe, all because of our magical date nights. My son's magical moments was me, you know, becoming a scout master. I never wanted to put the uniform on, but, you know, he became a tiger scout at six and by 17 and a half, he was an Eagle scout. And that was because of, you know, 180 nights camping, 125 miles of hiking. And it was as much contribution I could give the scouts until right at Eagle time. He was like, you didn't want to go to meetings. I'm like, you, you're not going, I'm not going either. So, but uh, yeah, he, he stepped over the line, became an Eagle. And, and then my, my youngest, it was horseback riding where, you know, many mornings she would sleep and I would drive, pick up the bagel with cream cheese and hot chocolate and head to the barn, you know, wake her up. She'd jump and get ready and jump on her horse and ride. And, you know, that was the magical moment. And, you know, she went on to study equine in college and all these things that we did as we were growing up had such an impact in their life. And I recommend that, you know, for any dad, like, you know, wake up on the weekends, cook the family, you know, breakfast and uh, create those magic moments with each one of your kids that they'll just never forget that time with dad. I try. In fact, it's funny that you brought up camping because I kind of just did that with two of my boys this weekend in the backyard. But unfortunately, probably could have used some of your skills because we ended up getting bit up by ants. So that was an uncomfortable <laughs> experience. But it was fun. They enjoyed it until the next day when they were like, ah, what do I got on me? And yeah, that was my <laughs> my non-Cub Scouts. Uh, <laughs> but I tried, right? So we have fun. What would you say as a father your kryptonite was with your kids? What, what did you struggle with the most with them? Didn't have enough patience. You know, I probably lost my cool more than I should have. You know, they were they were a little afraid of me at times. You know, I didn't mess around too much, you know. It took me a long time to, even till this day, you know, or, you know not not as much but you know the times that they would come back and they were a little older and they had more to say you know i, I you know i had to calm down you know <laughs> back in the day i was able to yell but yeah i couldn't have that i couldn't have that behavior you know at that stage of life i wonder is there ever has there ever really been a truly patient person from the northeast so how did you handle that like what did you do to like get more patience or you just kind of like caught yourself more you know it, it you know it it came down to like actually focusing on it, studying it. My, my wife is the one that has all the patience and, you know, I asked her for some help, you know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, asked her to create more of a uniform front and for me to be, you know, more part of the conversation. Cause you know, I, I guess it took a little bit more time, you know, just to, you know, to raise the kids that I thought, you know, it would take, you know, it's not as easy and they don't give you a book, you know, and as they get older, it's about communication and, you have to listen to them and let them be heard. You know, it's not about telling them what to do anymore. And, 
I was just never good at that. You know, being in New York City construction, always telling people what to do. You know, you bring it home with you sometimes and it doesn't work with the family. You start telling them what to do all the time. You know, you got to give them a break, you know. And now your son could probably take you out with his military. So oh, yeah. can't do that <laughs> he's he's uh he's treading water for 50 minutes with his arms above water training for reconnaissance. I, I don't know how he's going to do it. It's that's not, not about being in shape anymore. What's that? That's not specifically SEAL training. That's like just everybody got to do that. Um, no, nah, he's it's like Navy SEAL training, but for the Marines, it's, you know, reconnaissance. They call them the Raiders and yeah, it's crazy stuff. So, you know, hopefully uh, he'll not hopefully he will succeed and become an officer and you know he's doing well. All right, Ken. So here, here's the big question, and it may not be bad, but let's see what happens. Uh, what's <laughs> what's one weird thing most people don't know about you? You know, I I definitely have like a lot of OCD and, and ADD. You know, my attention span is very short. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I like my places for everything, and uh, you know, I worry a lot. You know, I'm I'm just you know. I don't know, like my my mom was a worrier, you know, so it seems like I have that trait. And um, yeah, I'm pretty normal, you know. I'm uh, you know, I have like all the same, you know, crazy thinking, you know, in my head that most people have. And uh, you know, people think I'm, you know, not normal. So I'm I guess that's I'm just telling people that those are my little quirks, you know. ADD, OCD, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> You are the magic man too. That's another thing. I mean, that's not weird, but that's 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 an interesting little thing. So, you you started that young, and then you just—I mean, was that like a pa how big of a passion did that become? Did you actually ever try to like perform on stages or just you know how like you know how com comedians will go do like um an open mic night? Did you ever like try to do stage stuff or that just was like oh, for yeah. kids and all? Yeah, I was doing magic since I was like. You know, 12, I dressed in a tuxedo. I had doves. I did it to music. I had assistants at 17. I used to perform at the coffee houses, you know, like all the rock bands are playing. I'd walk in in tails. Me and my girlfriend, we'd be doing a levitation. I'd be sticking swords through her head, you know, and crazy stuff like that. And then when I went to college, I, you know, I was, I studied close up magic and, you know, I used to perform at restaurants and, you know, walk up to your table and do some stuff. So then I did trade show magic. So yeah, magic's been in my life. And it started when I was 12. You know, I used to go to Christmas parties. Magicians would perform. I was always fascinated by it and just started buying tricks. And next thing you know, I was, you know, it, was, it became a hobby. And it's, it's you become a student of the art. It's like painting. You know, you, you just paint, paint, paint. You know, and it's like read another magic book, learn a trick, learn an effect, make somebody happy and enjoy that moment. You know, well, when you said when you were talking about magic moments with your kids, I was just thinking, like, how much did you like? practice on them or did they get to the point where like ah like did you ever prank them with magic or like you know they were you try try out tricks on them just to see how they they turned out how did they feel about that yeah ne never pranked them yeah i used to practice in front of them all the time for most of their birthday parties they'd want me to do magic my my, my daughters loved you know at the end of every magic show i would cook you know cook a birthday cake and then we would put the candles in and sing so you know, every year they would they would want to do that. And you know, I would pick one of their friends. We'd crack eggs, put flour in, light it on fire, put the top on. Next thing you know, you got a cake, and we oh, used to just have fun, fun, fun. Yeah. That now that see that's real cool. Like that using it that way because yeah. you know um, you know people just say magic, and it's like, well, how do you really how are you really using it? Now, I was lucky enough to actually see you do it live one time, and 
I think, I think uh, we're going to have to test you on that one. In a little yeah. Bit too. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like um, more people should know about your magic because sure. <laughs> why not? Right. No, you know, I'm telling you, you know, what, what really comes down to them, my, you know, my friend, Sean Callagy brought it to my attention. You know, it's, it's really about more money, time and magic in your life. And when I heard him talking about how he creates more money, time, magic in people's life, I'm like, I have tons of magic in my life. And it's great to see that other people want magic in their life because, you know, you, I mean, some people get offended by magic because you know, they feel like they're getting fooled, but it just brings like such exuberance to me. And, you know, I'd love to share some with you if you, if, whenever you're ready. <laughs> we will be, we will be testing that out and your dad joking skills very shortly. Oh, there you go. You know, you know, so there's a lot of dads out here. There's different ones. You know, there's some that are coming up. There's some that are, you know, advanced, uh, some that are still dealing with a lot of kids like myself or just, you know, young and they just have their first two, but they're still trying to find themselves and older, older ones that have kind of like, you know, kind of guiding younger ones. And I find that <clears throat> masterminds or small groups are usually a good place to find people that kind of in a way, I wanted this to be kind of that, even though it's between two people. So if somebody ever wanted to go back and look through the, you know, the past guests, they'd be able to get a lot of good advice. So first of all, are you in any masterminds? Um, tell us about that kind of thing. Like, how do you learn? How do you, how do you advance and grow right now for yourself? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, I've been going to, you know, whether you call masterminds or trainings, but when I first got married. I remember signing up. I think I was 26 years old and I signed up for a Dale Carnegie class. It was at the hotel, like literally two blocks from our house. And I was just so overwhelmed because, you know, I, I was afraid, you know, to, to speak up and, you know, that started my training and then it led into Tony Robbins training and Jack Canfield and Landmark and it's always been something every single year, you know, to the point where it then led now to even masterminds. It was one year I had nine coaches when I wanted to learn about, you know, all different things about media and storytelling and book writing and things like that. And, you know, always holding somebody, you know, always having somebody hold me, you know, accountable. You know, part of that continuous, I call it self-mastery is something that you have to do. You know, because it's just always a journey. You know, there's always something we can learn every day. And now you, you know, you mentioned uh, being in a mastermind for book writing, and now you have a book, and you yeah. mentioned some of these other things. And now you have those things. You're speaking now, and you're, you know, like I said, I I got to see you speak recently and do the little magic too. So like it's, you know, people people will. It always amazes me that people are like, oh, how do you do what you do? How do you get there? I was like, you just basically told them how you get there. You go, you learn it from somebody who did it before you, pay whatever, and then, and then you have that, and then you move on to the next step. It's, you know, it's, it's almost, well, it's really as simple as that. So let's talk about um, what what you have to offer. So you, you know, you're a real estate um, investor. You, I knew you and you pivoted you told me you pivoted but primarily commercial real estate like you were like that's when i met you you're like you were doing that pretty heavy and then you know things kind of changed in the world and now you've kind of yeah. pivoted but you know you've written a book you're speaking on stages like what do people what should people what are you doing now i guess to help people um learn the art of real estate investing yeah 
Yeah, when, yeah, when we first met, I was all commercial. And then in 2016, I founded, co-founded Flippin' USA. We did 137 residential deals in one year. And that's when I realized what I had been doing in commercial and land development. And then residential was this modern wealth building formula. So we wrote the book. And the book is really a blanket. It works, you know, for any type of real estate, whether you're wholesale and fixing and flipping anything you want to grow, accelerate, you need money. It shows you how to syndicate, raise money. It works for land development, multifamily. And then what I really decided is that most people would want to use the modern wealth building formula toward, towards residential. So we just created the financial freedom protocol, which is being launched in about a week. And that's how to start in residential real estate and accelerate your residential real estate investing business and putting those two together, you know, which really is the foundation that I learned from the top down thinking and just showing how to apply it to the everyday person that wants to get started in real estate or is in real estate and wants to accelerate. Man, I think you could do a show, you know, like one of these um, flip your house shows. And, and instead of being like, you know, the husband and the wife and the, you know, um, the, that, all that, you could be the magic dude. You could just be like, <laughs> be like, make, make these code enforcers disappear. And I think, I think it's in your future, man. So, um, I guess we're kind of winding down. What, what would you say, what was the best piece of life advice you would give for maybe a dad kind of, okay, let's, so, let's, so pretend, you're just starting out in real estate. Like, let's say they, they somebody gets your course, um, but they got, you know, maybe they're holding down a full-time job and they have a couple of young kids. Kind of think of it like you, when you were starting out with the twins and somebody has your wealth, um, what did you call it? The wealth principle? Um, modern wealth building formula. Modern wealth building formula. What would you, what would the best piece of advice you could give that, that dad entrepreneur there that's trying to start out with these two kids? And just getting started out with your wealth principle, what would you tell them? Like, yeah, the first thing is, uh, you know, I would say is don't panic, you know, and to be patient and to, you know, sit back and just look at the big picture because, you know, when family hits and work, you know, we have a tendency to get stuck in the weeds and we really don't see the bigger picture. So, you know, I, I would recommend that, you know, once a week, I call it deep thinking, you know, just go take an hour with yourself and, and get clear and, 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 and write out your plan because, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, and if you want to work and get started in real estate, sometimes you got to keep working and do your real estate stuff at night and make that transition and pivot, you know, so it's just really be patient, um, you know, work on that deep thinking. Those are the times where you really figure it out and reach out to mentorships because there's, there's no reason ever to reinvent the wheel, you know, just find someone that has done what you've done and then figure out how to get in touch with them because it's never going to be a question of the sources. It's going to be a question of your resourcefulness to go tap into those sources. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how do you, Mr. Van Lu, want to leave your mark on the world? Is it a big old building in the sky or is this something bigger out there that you're working on? Cause you, you know, Maybe, yeah. it's a, maybe it's a magic building. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, honestly, like just being straight out. So I've, I've been tough my whole life, you know, on people that I, that I, you know, not on people, I'm just tough skinned, you know, swimming with sharks in New York city that, you know, I, I really want people to not look at me as like this tough guy and to see me as 
I can bring you to your greatness. And that's my purpose. And my mission is to bring people to their greatness so that they can pay it forward to someone in their life that will really make a difference. Yeah, man. When I first met you, you were definitely that suit and tie. I don't want to say shark, but like you reminded me of Kingpin from the Daredevil comic book or like the series. Like not him exactly, but like you just had that that look and you were into commercial. I was like, that. that's that dude. But uh, (laughs) No, I got to hang out with you and you were nothing like that. It was just like, that was the presentation. So you hear New York, you see the guy with, you know, sharp dress suit, commercial real estate guy. You're like, you're assuming he's that. And to be honest with you, like not you, but everybody I've ever met like that from New York was definitely a piece of work. Let's just say. (laughs) I I came, I had the black suit. They go, you look like uh, John Gotti's attorney, Bruce Cutler. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> just kidding. Like that. You you were def you were definitely not in, that wasn't your demeanor. Um I was I was thinking it was gonna be that, but it wasn't. So definitely glad I got to meet and sit with you and we got to chop it up a, quite a few times. You said you're launching the residential real estate next week. Anything else you kind of want to make people aware of like, in case they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, I mean just go to my website, you know. KenVanLu.com. You know, there's a free strategy session in about a week. We're going to have my free book going out. We have my financial freedom protocol launching. I finally put together something that people can kind of take a look at what we have to offer because I'm busy building real estate and, you know, we're doing a a huge development in New Jersey at Larson's Turkey Farm, a famous site that's been over a hundred years and tradition in Chester, New Jersey. And, yeah, just come on our site and there's a lot of free stuff, gifts, and you can reach out to me anytime. What are you buying out there for maybe somebody watching this in the future? Like, hey, if you come across that, you should contact me first, um, especially in Jersey. I mean, is it farmland? Is it like, what would you be looking for? Because maybe they can bring that to the table instead of just like, hey, I just want to read your book yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, any dilapidated buildings or, you know, someone that you hear that's trying to get rid of something that has, you know, a reason why they need to get rid of something where, you know, we can kind of make it a win-win situation or if there's any land that's available and you envision, you know, something magnificent being developed, you know, reach out to us. You know, my, my company's global real estate strategies, but just go to KenVanLu.com, but you can find out a little bit more about what we do on the real estate advisory side. And we're always here to help you take the next step. Cool. So, you ready for, or how do you want to do this? All right, guys. So, yeah, so this, this is the first, this is the first time ever <laughs> we're having, uh, we're having a magic trick and a dad joke. So, you know, get ready. <laughs> I'll give you the dad. I'll give you the dad joke first. So why do some couples go to the gym? Because they want their relationship to work out. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all you entrepreneurs and dadpreneurs, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the YouTube channel for past episodes. Show me some love on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really want to be a guest on my show, no problem. Just email the dadnextdoortv at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. All the information you need is on the show notes of this episode. This is Jason, a.k.a. The Dad Next Door, signing out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.